Welcome to Journey Through the Bible with Joshua Smith. The Bible is the single most important book in history. It is the very words of God put on paper. In this podcast, we will walk through the pages of His Word as we seek to understand His message to us. In Isaiah 55:11, God says, My word that proceeds from my mouth will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I please, and it will prosper where I send it. As we study His Word, He will accomplish within us what He desires. That is our prayer. That is the journey. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to Journey Through the Bible with Joshua Smith. This is Josh. I'm so glad you joined me for this episode. We are in the parables of Jesus. I encourage you, if you haven't listened to the introduction uh, of the parables on the last episode, I encourage you just to hit that pause button, go back and listen to the introduction episode of the parables, because that's going to lay some great foundations uh, for us as we go through uh, the parables. Now, there are a lot of parables. The exact number is debatable, depending on who you ask. And so it's not always going to be possible to read every verse to every parable, particularly today. We're, we're going to be talking about the kingdom parables. Now, it would be easy to say that all of the parables are kingdom parables because really they are. Um, but there are a particular few uh, that we're going to be talking about. I'm not going to be reading uh, the references to everyone or the verses to everyone, but I will be giving you the references. So if you want to in your own time or as you as you listen, you can hit that pause button and read those verses that that I talk about. Uh, You're more than more than welcome to do so. We talked last episode about how important stories are to humanity. From the very beginning of of the human experience on this earth, stories have been a part of our existence. And so it's it's no surprise that Jesus uses this this mode of, of communicating to get on our level so that we understand exactly what he is telling us. We talked in the introduction episode about how parables are a spiritual truth or, or a spiritual reality, and these truths are brought out in down-to-earth stories and earthly stories. But I also want to make sure that we remember that it's, it's more than that. Jesus used parables to make sure that he was inserting us into these truths, and, and that is a vital way to read a parable. We must insert ourselves into the parable in order for us to grasp what Jesus is saying. And so so this episode we are going to be talking about the kingdom parables. There's there's several several parables that are that are part of this episode. And we're just going to do a quick overview of these parables and as we do so just what lessons can we draw? What lessons is Jesus trying to get across to us? But before we can understand the kingdom parable, I want to talk a little bit about the kingdom itself. What what is the kingdom of God? Particularly in the book of Matthew, if we, if you read the book of Matthew, the kingdom of heaven, as it is is typically put in the book of Matthew, is is vital uh, to his message. What what is this kingdom of heaven? This kingdom of God? It, it's not a place or a locale. It's not like I can, uh, you know, in, open Google Maps and put kingdom of God and find that place anywhere on the earth, but rather it speaks to a rule or the reign of Jesus. 
And that rule or reign is, is happening now. It's, it's not fully fulfilled. It's, we don't see the fulfillment or the full fulfillment of it at this point in time. We look forward with hope and anticipation to that time where he will fully reveal his kingdom to us. But even now, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is active on this earth. This kingdom of God requires entry by us through salvation. This salvation is available only through the blood of Jesus. Jesus says he is the way, the truth, and the life. There's no one who comes to the Father except through him. So this entry into this kingdom of God is available to us all through the blood of Jesus Christ. And as part of this kingdom of heaven, as part of this kingdom of God that is available and present with us now, we have this incredible ability to to have the presence of Jesus with us. And that presence of Jesus happens through the Holy Spirit. In the book of Ephesians, the Holy Spirit, uh, we are told, is the down payment of the fullness of the kingdom that will come at the end of time. We're told that the Holy Spirit is given to us as an earnest or as a down payment of the promise of the future that one day Christ is going to come in his fullness and he is going to reign on this earth. Something that I've been intentional about with this series as I've studied and prepared it is I'm not doing a lot of cross-referencing. I want to really allow the parables to speak for themselves. What is Jesus saying in this parable, in this story, in the context of the surrounding verses leading up and beyond the parable, what is he saying? So there won't be a whole lot of cross-referencing because I want us to grasp the, the message of the parable that will be in front of us. So as we look at these kingdom parables, there are a few lessons that that are kind of over overarching through the kingdom parables. And the first, uh, first lesson is this. It is vital that we grasp the kingdom of God for ourselves. It's not enough that someone else understands it. It's not enough that someone else may get it. We have to grasp it for ourselves. And in this, we see three parables that bring out this message. The parable of the sower in Matthew 13, the parable of the weeds in Matthew 13, and the parable of the two sons in Matthew 21. The parable of the sower, the first uh, parable that we're going to look at here, is found in the first few verses of Matthew chapter 13. Jesus gives this story to allegorize how we are to hear the word. And this is this is so vital in us understanding every parable from here on out through the next several episodes. If we don't hear correctly, we can't receive correctly, and we can't understand correctly, and we're going to miss out on what Jesus is saying. And so the first, the first lesson for us is that we need to hear to understand. Right, this parable of the sower, it, it talks about this sower who goes out and he sows seed, and the seed is is the word of God. Jesus tells us tells that tells us that himself a few verses later. The seed is the word of God, and the sower sows this seed along this path. Some of the seed were uh, was devoured by birds. Some of this seed was sown on rocky ground and, and the sun scorched it and they withered away. Some of the seed was sown among thorns, and the thorns choked the seed out. And some of the seeds were sown on good soil, where it produced grain. What is Jesus telling us? Jesus is using this this agrarian language to help us 
grasp the necessity of not only hearing with our physical ears, but hearing with our spirit and receiving and understanding the word that goes forth from his mouth. He wants us to understand. He, it's not enough to just hear. Doesn't James tell us the same thing, right? Don't be just hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. And that's exactly the, the message that Jesus is bringing across here in this, this first parable that we're looking at. Now, it's really interesting when, when we look at this. So let, let me just go through this parable, right? The seeds that were sown along the path. What happened to them? The birds came and devoured. Now, now this, these birds are the enemy who snatches away that which was sown. Jesus tells us that a few verses later, right? The seeds on rocky ground, there, there wasn't much soil. There wasn't much depth. So the sun rose, they were scorched, and they withered away. Now, we see the word here a couple times in these verses in Matthew 13. And in English, it's easy to, to miss what Jesus is saying. Because in English, all we see is the word hears. But if you go back to the original language to Greek, Jesus actually uses two different words for hears throughout this parable. The first is what he uses through the first three examples is in the aorist tense. Now, the aorist tense is a is a sort of, of past tense in the Greek. It really is kind of like a, a photograph. It's a picture. It's you do it, it's done once, and, and, there, and there it is. And that's the first word we see when, when we see the word hear, right? Jesus says, hey, he hears the word, he receives it with joy, yet has no root in himself. This is the seed which was sown on rocky ground. That he hears, this aorist, he hears it once, he receives it with joy, but he doesn't have any root. He endures for a while, but once tribulation, once persecution, once hard time comes, what happens? He loses it because there was no depth because we'll, we'll, we'll talk about why in a little bit. Same thing with, with the seed that was sown among thorns. What does Jesus liken the thorns unto? The cares of this world, the, the, enticement, the enticement of riches and, and fame and, and just the comfortable living that this world uh, affords us. Same thing there. Jesus uses the word heard or hear in the aorist form. Right? He hears the word. He does that once. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, thus he becomes unfruitful. But when we come to the, Jesus sowing the seed on good soil, the soil which produces grain, and some a hundredfold, sixty, thirty times, so this, this, this idea of this multi, multiplying harvest, Jesus tells us, hears and understands. This word hears is present indicative which indicates that no matter what time i'm reading this no matter when i'm hearing the word i'm constantly consistently hearing the word of god i'm constantly throughout my life i'm not just hearing it once and moving on every day of my life i'm hearing the word of god this is why a devotional life is so important this is why us getting on our knees and, and relating and communicating with god and and opening his word is so vital because hearing once is not enough if i hear it once what am i going to do i'm going to forget it but if i hear it every day if i keep it in front of me what did God tell the Israelites in the Old Testament? He's like, keep this law in front of you. Meditate on it day and night. Why? Because this word is life. This word is life. This word is breath to our souls. 
And that's exactly what Jesus is telling us here in this parable. Don't only hear in the heiress. Don't only hear once, but no, hear constantly, hear daily, hear all the time. And if you do that, it's going to soak into your soul. And good soil is going to be there because this word is soaking into your spirit. And you're going to produce fruit. And you're not only going to produce just a little fruit, you're going to produce a multiplying harvest for the kingdom of God. The next parable we're going to look at, the parable of the weeds, is found in Matthew 13, verse 24 through 30. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed tares among them. Right. So this parable goes on to talk about how the, the master allowed these tares, this, 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 these weeds that were sown by his enemies to grow up along with the wheat, along with the grain. He allowed them to grow up together. But he said, at the, in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather up the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them up, but gather the wheat into my barn. What is Jesus telling us? Jesus telling, is telling us to remain to the end. Remain faithful. And the importance, again, of grasping this for myself. The person beside me doesn't matter. The, the, the perseverance of those around me is not my responsibility. The perseverance of me and the assurance of, uh, or not the assurance, but the continuance of my faith. That's, that's between me and God, not between me and other people, right? Remain faithful to the end. And in the end, God will sort things out. It's not for me to do. It's for him to do. All I have to do is remain faithful and remain founded on the salvation that Jesus Christ alone can give us third parable the parable of the two sons in matthew 21 simply give us this lesson to obey what both sons were told hey go out and work for me one said yes and did not one said no but then later repented and did right i'm obeying that's that's how i grasp the kingdom for myself so so this first lesson the importance of grasping the kingdom for yourself i'm hearing to understand I'm remaining faithful to the end and I am obeying. I'm living and I'm walking my life in obedience. The next lesson we see throughout the kingdom parables is that there is an exclusivity of the kingdom, right? Not everyone is going to make it. There is an exclusiveness to the kingdom of God. We can take a look back at the parable of the weeds in Matthew 13. We, we grasp the lesson from that, the last point, to remain to the end. But we see that at the end, there is going to be a dividing. There is going to be a reaping. And in this reaping, there is going to be a division between what is good and what is not. The, the weeds, the tares, and the good grain. There is going to be a separation. There is an exclusiveness to the kingdom of God. Not everyone is going to be there. There's a parable of the net 
In Matthew 13, verse 47 through 50, where the kingdom is like a fishing net, men gathered, and, and what did they do when they gathered these fish? They separated the good and the bad, just so at the end of the age, there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth at this separation. Those, those who are separated and who are, who are cast out, who did not receive salvation, that is a truth that we find in the kingdom parables. And there's going to be another week. We're, we're going to talk uh, more and specifically about the parables on, on eternity, the parables on hell specifically. And it's sobering and it should be. But there is hope in Jesus Christ. And that's what Jesus is telling us. Jesus is saying, hey, not everyone's going to make it, but everyone can through me. The parable of the wedding feast in Matthew 22, 1 through 14. And this is just another one where we see this, this dividing happen, where we see some people are going to make it, but not all are going to make it. And we see a lot of parables like that have this message ending with this idea of weeping, of burning, of gnashing of teeth. Not everyone is going to make it, only those who follow Jesus. We can look at Matthew 7, verse 13 through 14. Jesus tells us to enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. John 14 and 6, um, Jesus is talking. He says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The kingdom parables make it clear. To get in is worth everything. To lose out is eternal regret and punishment. Now, we could spend a lot more time on that thought, but because we're going to have a whole episode really kind of detailing uh, detailing this idea of what happens at the end and after this life on earth, I just wanted to give us this overview here. But the truth stands that the kingdom of God, there is an exclusivity to it. There is an exclusiveness to it. Not all get in. Jesus is the only door. But there is also an inclusiveness to the kingdom. There is also an inclusivity to the kingdom. We see this in the, the parable of the great banquet in Luke 14, 16 through 23. A, a man, he gave a great banquet. He, he sent servants out to all who were invited. And everyone that had been invited made excuses. I can't be there. I have this going on. I have that going on. I'm not coming. And so the master ended up inviting the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. He says, go, compel the people in the streets to come in. So we see this truth that, yes, there is an exclusiveness to the kingdom of God, but there is also an inclusiveness to the kingdom of God, that Jesus is the door, and if you go through the door, if you go through Jesus, no one will be turned away. Here we see the outcasts of society being compelled to come in, right? The poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame, the outcasts of society. The kingdom of God is undeserved by those who receive it. We can read that. Well, you know, why are the outcasts of society? Why, why is that being pointed out? Because Jesus wants us to understand that none of us, whatever station of life, whatever our income, whatever our physical ability or lack thereof, whatever 
You, you fill in the blank. It doesn't matter. None of us deserve the kingdom of God. Any of us who receive the kingdom of God at the end, at the cross, uh, at the threshold of eternity, it is undeserved. That is the very essence of the kingdom message that none of us deserve the kingdom of God. None of us deserve this, but Jesus gives it freely to all. So yes, there is an exclusiveness because Jesus is the only way, but there is also an inclusiveness to the kingdom of God. That is, it is available to all. Not only do, do we see the exclusiveness of the kingdom and the inclusiveness of the kingdom through the kingdom parables, but we also see the exceptionality of the kingdom. We see the exceptionality of the kingdom, the, the parable of the seed growing in Mark 4, verse 26 through 29, right? The man scatters seed on the ground. The, the seed sprouts and grows. He doesn't know how. The earth produces by itself. What is Jesus telling us? Hey, the kingdom of God does not need your help to work. The kingdom of God does not need your help to grow. But he wants your help. But he wants your participation in the kingdom of God. And that's the next point. We look at the parable of the mustard seed and leaven, right? The, the, the kingdom of God, it's exceptional in how it works because it, it seems to defy our logic. It defies the logic of, man, of men. Right, the parable of the seed, it grows by itself. It doesn't need our help to grow. God has set it in its, in its course and it's going to work. The parable of the mustard seed and the parable of the leaven in Matthew chapter 13, verse 30 through 33. Right, the mustard seed is small. It's, it's a small seed. You hide it in the dirt and it grows into this big plant. Leaven, it's a small amount and it's hidden in the flower, but the small amount that is hidden has a big effect. What's the big deal about the kingdom of God being hidden? What's the big deal with it being hidden? Well, Mark 4.22 says, For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. Matthew 13.52 says this, Jesus said to them, Therefore every scribe who has become a disciple of the kingdom of heaven is like a head of a household who brings out his treasured things new and and old. What is this telling us? Well, this is telling us for some reason, in the wisdom and majesty of God, he has deemed it the best route to use verbal proclamation as the key instrument in disseminating his kingdom and the message of the kingdom. And so we see these, these parables like the mustard seed and leaven and the kingdom of God is like these things that are hidden. Why is it hidden? Because Jesus, in his wisdom, wants our participation. Oh, wait a second. Didn't we, didn't we just say in the parable of the seed that it doesn't need our help to grow? No, it doesn't need our help to grow. Meaning I and myself can add nothing to this. I and myself can add nothing to the kingdom of God. But God working through me, he has designed, he has designed it in such a way that God working through me is how the kingdom grows. He hides these things. He hides these truths and allows these truths to be made manifest and to be made evident through our lives, through our teaching, through our experience. 
right? Mark 4.22, he is making manifest us so we can make manifest others. In Matthew 13.52, we just read this. He likens us to almost to like a museum curator where we bring treasures out to show people. Now, I don't, ha- I don't understand why. I don't have an answer for why. Why is that how Jesus set it up? Well, I don't know, but this is how he set it up. In his wisdom and in the majesty of God, he has deemed it the best route that we are to use verbal proclamation. And that is the key instrument in disseminating his kingdom and the message of the kingdom. We look at the, per- the parable of the, the pearl of great price in the parable of the hidden treasure uh, found in Matthew 13, 44 through 46. These two parables tell us that the kingdom is worth us giving up everything. The kingdom of God is worth us giving up everything. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. I said I wasn't going to do a lot of cross-referencing. This first episode is probably the most cross-referencing we'll do, but we have to, we have to go here. Hebrews 12 and 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. What are we told here? We're told here to lay aside, lay it aside, lay aside every weight and every sin. Even the good things that weigh us down and slow us down in our run, uh, run of faith, lay it aside because there's nothing worth more than the kingdom of God. There is nothing in this life that is going to surpass the greatness and the grandeur of being a part of the eternal kingdom of God. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 through 11, it says this, But whatever things were gained to me, Paul is talking, he says, Whatever things were gained to me, those things I've counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Do you catch that? All things to be loss in, in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ. He, he continues, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And I count them but rubbish. I count them but trash so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him. Not having righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Do you, do you sense Paul's passion? There is nothing worth more than the kingdom of God. That's why in these parables, the parable of the hidden treasure and the pearl of great price, right? One man finds a treasure hidden in a field. What does he do? He covers it up. He sells all that he has so he can buy that field because he knows that there is a great treasure there. The parable of the pearl of great price, this merchant, he's searching for the pearl, this pearl. He finds one. He sells 
everything so he can buy that one pearl. That is the kingdom of God. There is nothing in this life. There is no experience. There is no person. There is no fame. There is no money. There is no job. There is nothing at all in this world that can compare to the surpassing value of Jesus himself and the kingdom of God in which he dwells and reigns. Do we live that out in our daily life? Does, does, that, does that knowledge that there is nothing greater than knowing Jesus, does that change us? Does that affect how we live daily? Does that, is that even a factor in any of our decision making? And I think what Jesus is telling us here is it should be. And I'll be the first one to come out and say hey, that, that that's that's a that's a convicting thought. When's the last time that I've made a decision and part of my, you know, as you go through and make the decision and you ponder it and you think about it, when's the last time that I've really had, hey, what is this in view of eternity as part of that decision making? And so all of this and and the point of parables. Again, we go back to the truth that we have to see that I have to insert myself into every parable. I have to see myself in order to properly interpret the parable. I have to insert myself into it. These parables require a response. So I understand there is an exclusivity of the kingdom, but there is also an inclusiveness to the kingdom. The kingdom of God is exceptional. It is something that I must grasp myself. All these truths are what does it mean? What is my response? Well, the first response is to enter the kingdom. And if you're listening and you haven't entered the kingdom, it's, it's, it's quite simple. It's faith in Jesus Christ. It is believing that we were born in sin. We are on our way to hell, to an eternity without Jesus. But he has, through his blood, through his sacrifice on the cross 2,000 years ago, He has provided a way that he has taken all of our sin upon himself and he has provided us with his righteousness. And by us accepting his righteousness by faith, we find entrance into the kingdom of God. So that's the first thing. That's the first, that's the best response. That's the initial response to these parables. But it doesn't stop there. The second response is to proclaim the kingdom. So we enter the kingdom by faith through Jesus, right? That's salvation. But then we're told we are to proclaim the kingdom, right? Why are all these things hidden? Why, why are these truths hidden within these stories? Because Jesus wants our participation and he wants us to go out and proclaim the gospel, proclaim the kingdom to those around us, to your friends, to your families, to your co-workers, just to your sphere of influence. Proclaim the kingdom of God. And that's more than just a lifestyle. Sometimes I think we can, we can well, you know, if I, if I live my life right, they're going to see me, right? And that's good. But the gospel must be heard. The evidence of the gospel can be seen, but the gospel itself must be heard. And so we must proclaim the gospel with our lips. Are we doing that? Are we responding in this way? Have we entered the kingdom and are we proclaiming the kingdom? Let's pray. 
Jesus, thank you so much for the truth of your word. Thank you for these parables and thank you for your kingdom. Lord, I pray that you would help us, Lord, to respond appropriately. Lord, if there's anyone listening who has not entered your kingdom, God, I pray you would convict their heart right now and that they would accept your gift of salvation that you give to us by grace. And Lord, for those of us who are listening who have entered the kingdom, may we be obediently proclaiming the kingdom of God. May we be going out into the streets, to our spheres of influence, and proclaim that the kingdom of God is here. And that through Jesus, you too can be a part of this kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.